Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Ah, sweet SBC This Week podcast, a treasure trove of Baptist news with hosts who are both wise and kind, their words a source of light and muse. Each episode brings forth a wealth of knowledge, insight, and discourse. On topics both grave and jolly, they leave no stone unturned, no source. Their guest, a who's who of the SBC, bringing expertise and passion to the show. Their words, a clarion call to action, their wisdom sure to make us grow. So tune in, dear listener, and hear the voices of the SBC loud and clear. For SBC this week is the place to be for all things Baptist far and near. You planned to to just not even tell me about that and just to go right into, didn't you? Absolutely. You, you just wanted to get my reaction. I An had ode n- to SBC this week written by AI this week. Oh, you put that in to the new chat. Was it chat GPT? Yeah. Patrick Watts, wow. friend of the pod, friend of the pod, dropped that in there and said, write me a poem about SBC this week. And there are, there are, there's your poem. That's what it came out. I would love to hear Jason Thacker's take on this. The fact that uh, as much as he has written about artificial intelligence, that we were, wow, that's, I I have I have no words for what you just did. <laughs> None. It's pretty good. I mean, I, wow. Yeah. I'm kind of amazed by that. All right. Well, um I, for those of you who have not been playing around with that new chatbot, it's pretty wild. Uh yeah, it's pretty crazy. I had it write me a first person for Baptist Press about why it's important to give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering to support the North American Mission Board. How'd it go? It was better than some that we've run, maybe. I don't know. I won't mention which one. But it was it was like legit. Like it it read like a legitimate first person. It was crazy. Wow. Well so it, gets, I it, they, I sent it to Mike and Kevin over at NAM so they could uh, you know if they need to use that, they got it. Well the they pocket. get they get close. Uh, a friend of ours Marty yeah. Durbin, how, about, how about that uh, friend of the pod that bio that you got there? He ain't? did. He put one in that asked for a bio of me and just put my job title and my job. And it it got a few things wrong, which is yeah. clear that there's a lot of information about that's not out there about me. Yeah. Keith Keith wants to have a chat with Matt. Right. It came up with a the wrong name for my husband that I had young kids that uh, I went to UNC. Um, which I did not, that I majored in communications, which I did not. So it had some facts wrong, but there were some good descriptions of what a communications director does, church. So it's not it's not perfect, but it is pretty fun. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm still trying to figure out if Keith is more upset about Matt or the UNC part. Right, that's what I said, is that uh, if I had graduated from UNC in the, the season that we, like we got married in 1999, um, the tension that existed in those mid to late nineties between Rick Barnes and Dean Smith, I'm not sure that my uh, Clemson basketball manager husband would have even entertained. Yeah, you would be married to Matt, right? Right. That so whoever Matt is. Yeah. So I I definitely did not did not go to to UNC, but um, well, although I I mean I'm a big fan actually of UNC now, but I'm just saying back then. Well, you know who I you know who we are fans of. I know that you know the Clemson North Carolina thing. That's one thing, but you know who right. we are fans of. Who's that? Paul Chitwood. 
What a nice segue. Yes, we are. And we have a conversation with him in this episode. We had a great little visit with him just talking about all sorts of things about the IMB. Instead of uh, starting with news and there's it's kind of a slow news week, Amy. So we went out. I love out. that. December. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yes. December, slow news week. We went out and we got a man who's who's not slow. He, he keeps running. He's been all over the world literally this year. Dr. Paul Chitwood from the International Mission Board. Hey, thank you, Jonathan. Amy, great to be on with you today. Yep, it's good yeah. to have you. How I mean, I guess now that we're very kind of out of COVID time, you know, when everyone is down, how much have you traveled this year? Well, it's it's been limited because a lot of my travel this year was planned around large meetings that all had to be rescheduled to different places, and most of them rescheduled here in the U.S. Yeah, uh, but a, a couple of trips to Poland, a trip to Ukraine, a trip to London. Uh, so there's, there's still been some overseas travel, but not, you know, typically I'll be overseas about seven times a year is about the most I can, uh, can manage. Uh, but otherwise maybe, Michelle's like, Hey, 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 now, uh, Come yeah, home. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When those girls, when I see them heading out to my truck with a knife, uh, to cut the tires, <laughs> I know, Hey, it's time to back down. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned Poland and Ukraine and, and that really kind of dominated, I, I think like the first part of the year, because we had the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, and the IMB really jumped in there, send relief, everything overseas. Really, I mean, you were there kind of on the front lines, Poland, the Ukraine border right there, uh, while that was all going on. Yeah, and it was it was just amazing timing, I guess, the Lord's providence in it. We, uh, we've been watching closely, of course, with personnel in that part of the world, and doing relief work even before the invasion. There was a because of buildup of troops, there was already a problem with food scarcity and, you know, the most vulnerable on the, uh, on the, every list, uh, get hit first. And so we were doing some, some feeding projects in Ukraine and then the invasion took place. Uh, I, I was probably four or five days into, uh, that conflict. I happened to be in London on a vision trip with some uh, pastors, primarily from Indiana, also from Missouri, who were looking at ways to connect with our work in Europe gave us the opportunity to uh, take a quick flight over to Poland to meet with uh, Polish Baptist leaders and our personnel who were in the area and began to really ramp up the relief efforts immediately. Uh, and, and of course, those have continued even, even to today. Uh, I met a couple of days ago with, with the leader of the, uh, the foreign mission department of U the Ukrainian Baptist Union, uh, who he and his wives are now refugees outside the country, but they're helping us get goods into the country, relief work in and around. And so that, that work is ongoing and has had a tremendous impact. Some of that's had such a tremendous impact throughout is, this. Is that Vitaly? Yes, Vitaly. Yeah. yeah. So I met him. He was at the Iowa Baptist Convention meeting up yes. there and he and he and I and Kevin sat around Kevin Ezel from the North Mecca Richmond we're sitting around talking and he and Kevin asked him you know where are you living right now and he's like oh in Woodstock he's like whoa 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 hold on <laughs> he's like you're literally right down the street from us in Alpharetta and I think they've been able to connect to everything we're trying to get a story with Vitaly and everything so really really cool uh just how the Lord connected that thanks to our friend Tim Labinus up there in Iowa yes so Vitaly uh, was evangelized by Southern Baptist missionaries in Ukraine as a young man. He was uh, discipled by one of our longstanding leaders who has worked in Ukraine and around Ukraine for several years, uh, Mick Stockwell. And uh, uh, Mick uh, actually has, has been working with him, uh, again, getting help into Ukraine. And since he's been out of Ukraine, Mick's wife uh, met 
Vitaly's wife as she walked from Ukraine into Romania across at that border checkpoint uh, as a refugee early in the war. She was standing there ready to receive her. And so uh, his that dude's heart is just overflowing with gratitude for you know what Southern Baptists have done to minister to him and his family for ever, but especially in these very difficult days. Yeah. And, and thankfully, I mean, his daughter was already going to school here in the States. She was at Emory in the Atlanta Correct, area. Yeah. And, and it was, he was able to get out. Like you said, they walked like to Romania and got out and came to the U S I mean, it just, just a wild, wild story. Yeah. I mean, you just imagine what that looks like in your life. If, if suddenly you're walking across the Canadian border to try to get away from a war and, and what can you take with you? His wife actually went first. He couldn't get out because particularly early on, I mean, any fighting age male, was was you know called up restricted to come and, and and that's loosened up some over the many months that have have undertaken and and so he's but he's still doing a lot to to bring help uh, to his people in Ukraine but also you know, they have I think twenty two foreign missionaries who serve outside of Ukraine and uh, they were suddenly without support because the churches were all you know fleeing from the, the, the from from the war uh, but Southern Baptists there again have stepped up to help those missionaries who are living in different places around the world, the Ukrainian Baptist missionaries who are partnering with us in many places to help secure their support. Man, that's incredible. That's incredible. Now, um, you know, you'd mentioned sin relief in that and sin relief. That was something that was started, I think back in 2020, uh, kind of that first big partnership announcement, all that stuff. How has that like partnership between NAM and IMB, how's that gone? And how's that like made it, made the IMB able to, to step into these type of situations like that? that you might maybe not have been able to do before? Well, I, I, we had high hopes for Sin Relief. It just, just what, what it would mean for Southern Baptist two ent- mission entities to partner together, to make it easier for Southern Baptists to do compassion work, uh, relief work at home and abroad. And because, you know, we have so many complicating channels of funding and all that. So we just wanted to make it easy. It has gone far beyond our expectations, and 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 Jonathan, that what the war in Ukraine and and some other significant tragedies at home and overseas have done has, has proved the wisdom really and and the need for uh, uh, sin relief, this partnership between them and the IMB to give easy on ramps for uh, going and serving, volunteering, for praying, for giving. Just awareness. We constantly have the news in front of people. Here's uh, here are the needs at home and around the world. Here's where you can. Uh, here's how you can be informed and involved in in what Southern Baptists are doing. It's heightened. You know, so many Southern Baptists uh, really have been unaware, and many still remain unaware that you know work they may want to fund when their heartstrings are pulled because uh, seeing tragedies unfold uh, on the news. Uh, they may have funded through Red Cross or Samaritan's Purse or you know other non-faith or certainly non-Baptist uh, entities. They have their own Southern Baptist work. It's been going on for a long time. It just wasn't it wasn't well known. And Send Relief has allowed us to have people informed. Oh no, you you know go to organizations out there all over the place. But you actually have your own. It's Southern Baptist, and the gospel goes with it. And your church is rep- represented by your own beliefs, and uh, and and the confidence you can have uh, in an organization that is that is uh, uh, managed by Southern Baptists and has the accountability. Uh, so it's it's been a beautiful thing, and we're uh, we're I think we're ahead of schedule where we thought we would be in in mobilizing more Southern Baptists to give, go, 
pray and compassion uh, ministry and the needs here and around the world. All right. So let's talk about a big milestone that you guys hit this year with uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering crossing 200 million. What a what a huge thing to celebrate. So tell us a little bit about that. Did you see that coming? Um, what's that just what's that experience been like to cross that? And what are you doing this year to make sure we we keep it there? So if I said I saw that coming, I would be lying to you, Amy, because I did not see that. I mean, we prayed for that to happen. We wanted that to happen. We dreamed of that happening. But frankly, just given the trends uh, over the last uh, you know, a couple of decades and historically, uh, I didn't know how we would how we would ever like hit another all time record. All time record was 2016 uh, when we had a huge downsizing. And so the Badgers responded to their generosity to hopefully keep missionaries on the field. It was, it was kind of too late uh, for that, but we hit like 179 million. Well, the next year is down to 155 million. So it was just a big spike, uh, but it had set this high watermark that we're thinking, you know, will the 1915 flood ever happen again type thing. And, and, uh, uh, and so we, while we worked towards it and really have, have been doing some unique things to connect better with churches and to communicate better the opportunities and the needs, uh, we were blown away, blown away uh, by, I mean, the money just kept coming and coming and coming. And, and it's done such a great thing for us in positioning us to, to grow, to send more missionaries, uh, to get more students out on the field, to get more career missionaries out on the field, get more retirees on the field. Uh, all the things that we maybe used to do or hoped to do or wanted to do again, but for lack of funding, we couldn't do. I mean, it really has turned the ship into an entirely different direction. Uh, we are continuing the things that we did to uh, to promote and get get the needs and opportunities in front of Southern Baptists and build the relationships. Ultimately, it's about the relationships with churches and pastors and givers. Um, the things that we have started that we think gave such a great return on the investment last year, just in the Lord's kindness and His blessing, uh, we're, we're doubling down on those and 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 wanting to. I do all that we can to have the organization position, the mission and vision of the organization in front of Southern Baptists uh, so they know, how, oh, I won't be a part of that. And here's how I can be a part of that. So you never know. Economy is what it is. Uh, but uh, even the early returns, I got, got a note from Georgia Baptist uh, leadership yesterday about just two months into their fiscal year, the Lottie numbers are through the roof. Uh, and so it, even significantly over last year. Uh, so that keeps us optimistic and, you know, we're just trusting and, and praying we can see continued growth because the reality is uh, the the need for what Southern Baptists do together in reaching the nation and the nations grows every day. Uh, we keep that tabulation in front of us all the time, the number of lost who die daily and how that grows every day. And it's a reminder that that we can never be satisfied with what we're doing. If we could do more, if we can give more, pray more, go more, uh, then we have to be doing that because there's more people being born and dying lost every single day. And we still see a lot of unreached and unengaged peoples around the world. I love hearing all of that. Um, I've been working on some projects, uh, some history projects about Lottie Moon this year. Huh? And one of the things that amazes me is when I look at her vision for this, for bringing the people in the pews together to hold the rope like this, um, 
I, I just have to think she never like she never in her wildest dreams imagined what's what what is happening now and how everyone all these years later, you know, are is still just galvanizing in this way. So it's just really special and meaningful, even from a historical perspective, to look at how this has grown and the mobilization that continues to exist um, of and the what, people coming together. One of the huge markers on that, Amy, you're exactly right. One of the huge markers this this past year, just as we track, you know, daily giving through the Lottie offering, we topped five billion dollars. Southern Baptists have given over five billion dollars through the through the Lottie offering. What a milestone! And yeah, to your point, I mean, could Lottie have dreamed? Yeah. That, one that there'd be a missions offering in her name, but two that Southern Baptists would have given five billion dollars through that. Right. Offering. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So how how do you get that news that you just crossed two hundred million? Like, is it is it just where Price Jet? I because I can see it going one of two ways. I can see Price just walking down the hallway calmly and saying, "Hey, Paul, by the way, we just clipped two hundred million, you know, and, and turning and walking out." And then I also, on the other hand, I see John Brady on a motorcycle riding it down the hallway, <laughs> screaming, "We hit two hundred million!" <laughs> like I, I could I could really see the latter more than the former. Honestly, yeah. yeah. If you know, for those who know John Brady, they'll appreciate that very much. So somewhere in the middle, you know, John Brady comes screaming with his arms up. No motorcycles in the building, but he's screaming with his arms up. And and uh, Price is, uh, you know, Price is always careful. He's he's a good conscientious CEO. He makes sure the president knows first. Uh, other than you know his little accounting team who's watching the uh, the, the 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 figures uh, add up every day. But he comes to to myself and to our executive vice president, who's his supervisor, Todd. He wants to cover his bases make sure hey, the, uh, the boss knows first but then but then you know john brady comes screaming through the building and and uh, zane pratt uh, pumping those big arms up as well through the building and and uh, we, it's it's been a just a tremendous celebration it's been so much fun uh to stand in front of churches uh, state convention meetings uh, you know the, the sbc and and to acknowledge what god has done and what southern baptists and their generosity have done uh, this is what can happen when we work together. Yeah. Well, we're, we're talking given, but let's talk going a little bit. You mentioned earlier this year, I think the pipeline is, has gotten deeper than it has been in years as far as missionary candidates and people just kind of in, in that missionary pipeline being sent out. Tell us a little bit about that, where you guys are, where you think you might be, you know, 10, 12 months from here. Yeah, no, that's great. As of last Friday, uh, we were at 1126 in that candidate pipeline. For those who don't know what that means, uh, just anybody who fills out, fills out an application and begins to explore opportunities to serve with the IMB, whether they're at just that application point or whether they're right down at the end of the road, final medical checks, getting approval, they're, they're counted in the pipeline. And that missionary sending pipeline is huge for us because that course, that's what translates into the number of missionaries overseas. When I came in my role four years ago, or right this time of year, I asked for an update. Where are we? We were around 300. Uh, that's not enough to keep us even stable in our numbers overseas. Uh, so we began to uh, work hard towards recruiting and getting that built back up. Then COVID hit. And frankly, it was a punch in the face. I mean, our numbers dropped by like 300 in the pipeline over the course of the first 12 months of COVID. So we've been recovering, but we're now up to, I would say, you know, our high, not an all-time high, but a high over the last decade or more. Uh, and, and so we're a really good place. We want to be 12 to 1,400 consistently because that translates into not just a stable missionary force, but a growing 
missionary force and hitting the goals that we uh, that we uh, have set. Uh, and this is uh, uh, this this is huge for us in this one in terms of stewardship because so that's providing the resource providing the money and we want to be sure that that that's funding missionaries that we have missionaries on the field the other reason it's huge is because as i mentioned the needs are so great and and some of the things we're wanting to do to engage the unengaged in particular to get the gospel where it hasn't been we just have to have we just have to have more people so we're working hard with our seminaries with Baptist colleges uh, and and large churches and associations to create some sending pipelines to really, really uh, pad those numbers, get more people into the system. Uh, there's tremendous opportunities, but it, it, you know, as uh, with hiring in any field, uh, getting the number of candidates that we want to see and we can now fund to the nations uh, takes a lot of work on our part. So thanks for letting let me sort of. Uh, advertise for that right now. The IMB is sending, uh, the IMB is hiring, come see us. Last question. What can, what next steps can Southern Baptists take next? The people in the pew, like what, if there was one thing you were to say right now, here's the best way you can help that you can serve the IMB. What would that be? Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't stop with one. Our greatest need is prayer. So please pray. Uh, and, and secondly, obviously in the Lottie season, giving is huge. Uh, we had a great year last year, but if if we were to drop off this year, then all these opportunities to send more missionaries would immediately dry up. And so that consistent growing in our generosity uh, is 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 critically important. And then, particularly for pastors who may be tuning in or seminary uh, profs, you know, calling out the call and and helping us communicate and making sure that you're sending as many opportunities as there are for people to go serve overseas. Uh, help them look at their own first, make sure they're aware of opportunities to go uh, with the IMB because there's so many uh, who I run into on a regular basis uh, who you know still don't know much about the IMB or think, well, I couldn't go through the IMB or the IMB's not sending any more, right? And, and, and so help us counter that with just assurance, yes, yes, imb.org slash go, come see us. I love it. All right, so you heard it, everybody jump right in. There's a bunch of ways that you can, um, and you can do some of them today, right yes. now. Everybody can pray. Everybody can give. Be a part. Thank you, All Dr. Right. Sherwood. We appreciate you being on with us. Hey, thanks so much for having Appreciate you guys and your ministry and, and even the opportunity today. All right. Merry Christmas to y'all. Merry Christmas to you both. All right. Well, thanks to Dr. Chitwood uh, for that great conversation. We really appreciate the time and his busy schedule to uh, talk about some of the wonderful things that are going on at the IMB. If you have not uh, given to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, make sure you uh, make sure you have that in your plans the next few weeks. Yeah, you can find out more information about that over at imb.org. All right, on to the news, Amy. It's the first of the month. You know what that means? CP. Uh, I got some bad news. Uh, it's below okay. budget again. So okay, we'll just we'll just hit the the high points here. About fourteen point seven million given in November to the National Cooperative Program allocation budget. That's about eight percent under budget for the month, and that brings our annual total to just under twenty nine million dollars on a budget of just over thirty two. So a little bit over two million short of budget. That's about six point eight percent under budget. But the good news is the designated giving is up year over year. So designating givens up about three hundred and twenty thousand dollars. It's about four percent. So uh, okay. uh, Dr. Chitwood talked about that in the interview just a minute ago about what he'd heard from Georgia. 
as well as just other states. Things are up and looking good for our Lottie Moon offering. I'm fairly certain that CP is going to catch up. So it's just been a slow start to the budget year. So, All right. Well, that's it on that. And so, Amy, on to something that uh, I know that we're big fans of, the Kennedy Center Honors. Amy Grant. Yes. Look at this picture. You got Amy Grant with Bono in the edge behind her with George Clooney sitting next to her. Like, holy smokes. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And, and, yeah, not, and, you know, and, and no offense to Gladys Knight. She's there, too. Right. I was going to I was about to say in Gladys Knight, like this is yeah. pretty incredible. But no I pips, love, by the way, no pips. Right. I, I love to watch the Kennedy Center honors. And so I'm I'm very much looking forward to this one just because of so much of her music that I have loved. And this is a big deal after the accident that she had uh, so that she was able to attend this, the bike accident. So very, very cool. Yeah, so uh, you can watch the Kennedy Center Honors on CBS at 8 p.m. Eastern at 7 Central on December the 28th. So that week between Christmas and New Year's when you don't know what day of the week it is, on the 28th, catch the Kennedy Center Honors. That's a Wednesday night, by the way. So Wednesday night, the All week right. of if, – if you can keep track of days between Christmas and New Year's, you're a better person than I am because – yeah. I get lost about Tuesday. It's like, what, what right. day is it? I do too. Every you day feels no like Saturday. Yeah, exactly. it does. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Over to Dallas, Amy, where we have an update from the Village Church. This past weekend, Matt Chandler, we had reported on this a while back that he was taking a leave of absence. He returned to the pulpit this past Sunday, December 4th. And during that leave of absence, Chandler told the church that he took part in two intensives, quote unquote, described as counseling sessions by the church. Those sessions were with professionals specializing in Christian leadership and included a neurological exam. The neurological exam said that there was no evidence that the brain cancer that he had uh, treatment for in 2009, remember that? That's Gosh, it's almost been 15 years. Yeah. No evidence that it had returned. So an email sent to church members last week said Chandler had, quote, completed everything asked of him with submissiveness, steadfastness, and humility, and we have received positive feedback from all involved. So uh, that's the update that we've got from the Village Church. Staying in the Metroplex, Amy, over to Fort Worth, where Southwestern held their fall graduation last week. Yeah, so it's the beginning of the graduation roundup. So they, they're always the ones that sort of, they go first. They had 356 graduates, 248 were able to attend to receive their various diplomas or degrees in person. 56 of those, uh, they were the largest group of doctoral graduates in, in a single semester in the history of the school. So that's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. They also had 38 students that were the first graduates of their Master of Theological Studies in Mandarin program. Um, so pretty, pretty incredible, uh, incredible stats there. And so there's a story in Baptist Press talks a lot about David Dockery, who is the interim president, uh, his, you know, challenge to the graduates there. But I know it was a, a great day for yeah. all. Yeah. And uh, we got other seminaries doing graduation. I think this weekend, maybe there's one next weekend, too. So uh, yeah. in a busy, busy times on the campuses of all our seminaries. Uh, at the end of the semester here. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week. Bring me to my favorite part of the week this week in SPC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. We're going to go to 1949. There's a little update on some uh, confusion, maybe some pushback, things like that. 
as we've talked about earlier this year, and I actually wrote an article for SBC Life, we talked about how the first SBC annual meeting was going to be in California. And remember, this actually was a a thing that happened on the floor. Yeah, it it was not planned to go to California. That's right. And somebody said, let's go to California. That's right. We went to California. So apparently, there was some question after that. Where there was a little bit of chatter of people saying that's not what people really want. And so, you know, some, I guess, pushback. I'm not really sure. The more things change, the more they stay the same, Amy. Right. And obviously, social media wasn't present in 1949, but there was some indication where folks were, uh, were still saying, no, we're not sure, you know, that, uh, that, that this is what people really want. So they did a poll and put it out there. They did a random sample poll and it indicated that 66% still wanted to go to California. So um, it's it's very interesting. Only 30% didn't favor that, like we're against it. 4% were undecided. And so they decided, um, it looks like maybe at the California state meeting, that they would make a poll to test the views of Southern Baptists. So they sent out a letter to, this is the invitation committee, sent out a letter to nearly 1,100 ministers. And they said, um, they said, we would like to say to the brethren of the convention that if it be the sincere and unbiased will of a majority of our people not to come to San Francisco, we would gladly yield the rights and privileges which the Oklahoma City vote granted to us. So they wanted some guiding data. They got uh, returns back from 390 pastors representing all types of churches from all states of the ones who indicated that they had attended, that they had been there. 67% of them said they want, they, they wanted to come to California of the ones who were planning to go to the Chicago meeting in 1950, 73% of them said, we want to go to California. Um, 64% of the city ministers expressed a preference for the West, like those who were in the city. 80% of those who were in, they called them open country, probably um, rural, they voted for California. No state had a majority of people that did not want to go to California. And then they said several cards had the had the comment, we ought to live up to our agreement. So Let your yes be ni- yes and your no be no. That's right. So in 1949, uh, they had a little bit of question of, is this really what the messengers wanted? And so they put a poll in the field. And uh, although I would tell you that I'm obviously always going to say whatever is said at the meeting, that's like, that's yeah, the I don't answer. care about your poll. All right. <laughs> Having said that. Um, but we but we do things like that now. I mean, there are ways through social media or whatever that folks indicate their their position on something. And often what you will see is that it continues to echo, you know, whatever the actions are taken at the annual meeting. And this is what happened here. Like the poll said, nope, we are uh, overwhelmingly, we we want to go to California. We stand by what we voted. So I thought that was fascinating. And the reason I thought it was fascinating is I thought the more things change, the more they stay the same. So um, we had a, a Baptist press kind of served as the the place to 
to get that information out. And it confirmed that they stood by what they had said. And it was uh, it was announced this week in SBC history. Wow. That's kind of neat. So yeah, it just shows you, I think sometimes maybe the dangers of echo chambers. Yeah, we just, yeah. You know, we, we, we hear what we, from people we know, and maybe they confirm what we already think, you know, confirmation bias kind of thing. But whenever you start asking around and, you know, ask people fairly, you know, they, they stand up to what they said in the first place. So kind of fascinating. All yeah. right. Well, cool. Now that brings us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? All right. I'm doing one that may be a repeat, but I don't care. Um, okay. Have well, we talked about Trevin Wax's newest maybe book, we, we the, thrill of the Thrill of Orthodoxy? Yeah, Thrill of Orthodoxy. Well, sometimes we do these when new books are coming out. I'm in the middle of reading this book right now, and I love it. I think it is the best book. I think it is Trevin Wax's best book yet. And I love it so much that even if we've already done it, I want to do it again. If you have not read this book, get this book. Get it for people for Christmas. I, I'm telling you, I think it is. It's an incredible book. Yeah, I love we it. Had, he and so. I had lunch on Monday. I just got the book. And I have not had a chance to crack into it. Maybe, in, you know, over the next couple of weeks during the Christmas time, when things slow down a little bit, I'll be able to jump into it. So looking forward yeah. to that. So, so that's my resource of the week. That's my resource right. of the week. My resource of the week, another book, and I've got it here in front of me. I just read it recently again for like the third or fourth, fifth time. Uh, Shepherd of the Hills, Harold Bell Wright. You ever read this, Amy? I have not. You need to. Okay. It's a book okay. about the Ozark Mountains and just a kind of neat little twist okay. in it and everything. But uh Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's uh, it's kind of a Branson-centric kind of thing. There's a big Shepherd of the Hills. There's a, a play, an outdoor you know theater type thing that they do up in Branson. And you know I was yeah. just there back in no, October and went to the Shepherd of the Hills and did a bunch of stuff. So I got a copy of the book. Again, I'd, I had a hardback copy for a long time ago. Lost the hardback. I don't know where it is. It's probably somewhere in my office. But got a paperback and also have the audio book and everything. So fantastic book. Highly recommend. This is really enjoy this it. is this book is like over a hundred years old. This yeah, it's is great. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it, you can get it for three seventy five on Kindle. Wow. So or for or you know, for one credit on Audible too. So right, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah really good book. That's awesome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed okay. it. And uh written by I think he was a Methodist preacher, maybe Methodist. I, I okay. can't remember what it was. Um but Harold Bell Wright written two or three books and uh this is kind of his magnum opus ozark kind of like the official book of the ozarks and uh it's a, it's okay. a fantastic book so highly recommend well, great. john wayne's in the all movie right. by the way plays the yeah. other map yeah so. okay anyway all right uh the movie's not the best either so just forget the movie read the book the book's always better good to know all right well hey that's gonna do it uh no artificial intelligence used in this episode except for the poem by the way That's uh, fascinating. All right, I'll see if I can top it next week. Yep. All right. Well, Amy, see you next week. See you next week.